Everyone, you can take a seat. Thank you. Well, uh, I hope you had a great day yesterday. Had a relaxing time celebrating Jesus. Yep, it's great to have people in the house here as well. And now we've got uh, quite a few people online as well. So I realise that you guys are the hungry crowd. You are hungry for the Word of God. And I've got a word in my heart that God's really placed in there. And I really know that He's going to touch at least someone today here. And uh, that, that song that we just played was very fitting, what the enemy meant for evil. God turned it for good. Yeah. And, uh, and that's down the line that I'm going to talk to you guys today. And, uh, you know, I've, I think we've had a... Uh, I'm sure I'm not the only one that is, is looking forward to the end of 2021. Yeah, uh, looking for a new year, a uh, fresh start again. And, uh, and, um, but I realise that I've been in pastoral care for um, uh, 11 years. Uh, I've been in ministry for longer than that. But what I've realised over those times, are that even in non-COVID times, people still have crisis. People still have tough times. People still lose jobs. Marriages still fall apart. Uh, people get bad diagnosis. People are fighting sickness and all that sort of stuff. These are normal things that happen even without COVID. Yeah. You know, so there's still crisis in our world. And, uh, and, and I, I just think that um, what I've realised is that just because we're going through crisis or a tough time, it doesn't mean that God isn't in our life or on our life or his hand's not on our life. And that's what I want to talk about today. I, I want to talk about identifying or noticing or, or knowing that God's hand's on my life. Yep. You know, and uh, I want us all to be able to say as we leave here today, God's hand is on my life. Yeah. I'm not sure what you're going through. I don't know what's happening in your world other than COVID. Let's forget about that bit. I don't know. I'm not sure, but you know. And it all changes and it's all different when we know God's hands on my life. You know, Jesus said in John 10.10 that the thief has come to kill, steal and destroy, but I have come to give you life and life abundantly. And we just sort of sung it in that song. Well, the enemy meant for evil, God turned it for good. And I just know even in some of the darkest times, we can, have, we can see God's hand and it changes it all. I think part of the abundant living that Jesus is talking about is having someone in my life that has endless resource and his hands on my life walking with me. That's abundance, yeah? All that, I, all that I need and also other things as well. I love it. Let me pray for you today as we start. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your, that you were born. We thank you that we celebrated that yesterday, Lord God. Lord, we thank you that you died on the cross so we could walk with God, have his hand on our life, and we can feel your love and feel your acceptance, Lord God. And we ask that that would happen today. We ask that you would stir our hearts, our hearts would be soft to hear your voice today as we leave. We ask for change in our lives, Lord God, and let us see our situations differently. We ask it in your name, Jesus. Amen. Um, I, I want to, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> um, I've got a bit of uh, the Bible to read today because I like reading the Bible. Have we got other people who like reading the Bible? And uh, so I've got a little bit. Um, I'm going to read Psalms 139 and I'm going to read 17 verses. Is that all right? Yes. Cool. All right. And uh, I just think that uh, this is a verse that um, has come up in my life many times and it really, it just shows me the love of God, the creator over my life. And I hope that you will sense it as well. <clears throat> all right. So verse one, it says, Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or I stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel. 
And when I rest at home, you know everything I do. You know what I am going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. I love that. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there, your hand will guide me. I love it. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit them together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvellous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. Yeah, it is beautiful. That's our creator. I just, uh, this really just, it said it comes up in my life quite often. I just think, oh, how wonderful that I have a God in my life that knows every, every part of my life, knows me better than I know myself, has known me from the very beginning. He knows all my hurts. He knows those tough times. He was with me through them with his hand of blessing on my life, his hand guiding me along the way. I just think it's absolutely beautiful. The next one I want to read is actually in Mark 6, 45 and 50, and I would say that I'm a disciple of Jesus. Is there any other disciples of Jesus here? Yeah. yeah. Hallelujah. Well, I just love this story because it gives us a glimpse of kind of how God, and we know that Jesus is God, yeah, how God uh, does that in our life. And I just uh, an interesting insight. So it's in... Uh, Mark 6, 45 to 50, and what's happened here is uh, they just had a huge crowd, 5,000 people. Jesus miraculously feeds them. Uh, you know, it's a miracle. And then straight after that, it says, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida while he sent the people home. After telling everyone goodbye, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Late that night, the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone on the land. He saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and the waves. Sounds like a crisis, doesn't it? Yeah, I love it. Serious trouble, rowing hard, struggling against the wind and waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. He intended to go past them. But when they saw him walking on the water, they cried out in terror, thinking he was a ghost. They were all terrified when they saw him but Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. I just love this story because it really just shows to me that I can be going through a crisis and what I think is a crisis, God doesn't think is a crisis. Yeah. You know, Jesus, he goes up on the shore. They're going where he asked them to go. He's given us some simple instruction. They're struggling. And I don't know about you, but I know that I've had times in my life that I've had some serious trouble, that I've been struggling in the oars against the wind and the rain, that's how I felt. I thought, oh, heck, I'm going to, this is the end. <laughs> I've had those times. And, and, and Jesus, he says, late at night, the disciples were in their boat. But at three o'clock in the morning, so he's watching them. He sees it. He knows where they're at. He knows what's happening. Yeah, and we just read God's heart about knowing things about us. He's not worried. 
And that doesn't mean he doesn't care. I just think he's not worried. So if he's not worried and his hand's on my life, why am I worried? (laughs) I should be able to rest on the fact that he's there and he knows. Yeah? And I know that's easier to say than than do. I'm talking to myself here as well. But I love how it says, in in three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. It's a full stop. He intended to go past them. Did I read that right? Intended to go, yeah, how rude. Yeah, he went to go past them. (laughs) But I I like that because that speaks to that. He wasn't worried about that. He said, I told you where to go. I'm going there. I'll see you there in the morning. He's just cruising along. And then they just happen to see him. Oh, heck, it looks like a ghost. Yeah, and then they freak out. So they all were terrified when they saw him, but Jesus spoke to them at once. He goes, all right, I'll get in the boat with you. Okay. And it says that the winds and the waves died down after that. But I just love how he says, don't be afraid. He said, take courage, I am here. When you realise that God's hands on your life, that's how it feels. Have you ever been in a crisis and you prayed or someone's prayed for you and you're thinking, man, I, I, this is really, really serious. But after they prayed, you go, oh, nothing's changed, but I feel different about it. Yeah. It's because that's the voice of God coming in to saying, don't be afraid. Yeah. Take courage, I'm here. And it just makes you feel different. It's almost like when you're, when you're young and then your dad comes and you realise, oh, it's okay, dad's here. Yeah, or mum, sorry. But, but yeah, my parents here and I'm going to get through it. You know, um, Many years ago, um, Cody, my son, he's not here today because, uh, <laughs> funny story, uh, he's at home because he was trying to find my car keys and they're in my pocket. Uh, so he's not here. He's at home watching. So um, that's okay. You're supposed to drive my car here. Um, but uh, when he was about 10, he's 19 now, so he's uh, an adult. But when he was about uh, 10, he uh, got uh, chosen to read a Bible verse. And I've shared this story before, so if you've heard it, just pretend like it's the first time. Okay? Um, but, uh, and, and so... Um, he's going to read a passage for Pastor Carol while she preaches uh, here. And it was, they were on the floor here when they were doing it. And, uh, and we thought that was strange as his parents because, mate, if he got dressed up for book week, he'd run out of the auditorium, you know. He'd be freaking out. Didn't like being out in front of people, but he's going to do it. And he practices the passage he's got to read in Samuel. And he gets all, he's all excited. He comes on the day. He's sitting on the front row roughly where Veronica is there. And he's smiling, ready to go. And then Pastor Carol calls him up at that time. And he comes out, stands there with his iPad, and realising the magnitude of the moment and the crowd that's here, he's overwhelmed with life, overwhelmed with the situation. It's bigger than him, bigger than he can handle. And so he does the, the typical ostrich thing and just covers his face like this. Because if you can't see the crowd, they can't see you. And stood there and cried. I wish I could tell you that I went and got him and I took him outside and I cuddled him and he was okay. And that would have been all right if I did that. But I didn't do that. I got up from where I was sitting and I walked over and he was like this. And I just put my hand on his arm. I have very distinctive hands. If you've ever shaken hands with me, you understand what I'm saying. And, uh, and he knew it was my hand. Even though Pastor Carol was consoling him and trying to help him through, he was freaking out. That didn't help. But as soon as his dad's hand touched his arm, he knew, and he stopped crying. And then all I said to him was, okay, mate, you've got this. Come on. Pastor Carol and he were the only ones who heard me say that. And he pulled his arm down, and he (laughs) caught himself, read it, and then he he did what he had to do. And I want to tell you, something broke off his life that day. Because he had to go through that crisis, 
but he went through it with the hand of his dad on his life. And I really think that's a good example of how God does it for us too. We're in the crisis, we're overwhelmed in the moment, we really don't know how we're going to get through it. It's bigger than us. But God just comes alongside if we allow him and just touches his hand on our life. And that's the importance of knowing what his touch feels like. That's the importance of, of putting yourself in those situations where you get to used to what, God, what does God feel like? What does his hand feel like on my life? What is that? You know? And so when you know that, then you're ready to listen to his voice for the direction. That's the kind of uh, touch of the hand of God I'm talking about today. It doesn't matter what crisis you're going to face. With that, God's not worried about it. Yeah? Is that cool? Yeah, cool. I, I, uh, I love the, the story of, of Joseph, uh, Jacob's son Joseph. There's lots of Josephs in the Bible. Um, I shouldn't really say I love the story. But it's a sad story, but a happy story. It's one of those ones. But I learned a lot from it myself. And, and it's down this line as well. And I'm going to paraphrase a bit of it because I want to read some. It's, it's like 10 chapters long. It's a long story. So I'm not going to be reading that. But, um, but Joseph, who was the 11th son of Jacob, we realized that the 12 sons of Jacob became the 12 tribes of Israel. And he's the 11th son. And, uh, and so he, uh, it says that his dad favoured him. Um, I'm sure that um, we only had a discussion about it at our family yesterday, that everyone always thinks that someone else is the favourite, don't they? You know, if you've got siblings, someone else is the favourite, not you, and whatever. And, uh, and so, but the story says that he was the favoured son. He had a beautiful coloured coat that his dad gave him. And it said that his brothers resented him for that and they hated him. And so um, one day when he goes out to visit them in the, in the um, field with the sheep, they decide they're going to kill him. Uh, once again, I'm from three, three boys. I have four boys of my own. I realise at some stage, someone's always going to get killed. Uh, there's always someone that everyone else wants to kill at that time. It changes sometimes. But in this story, they wanted to kill Joseph. And, uh, and, and so one of the brothers talks the others out of it, and they put him in a pit, and then they sell him to some traders coming past to Egypt, and he gets sold as a slave. And he's gone, and they, then they lie to their dad, say that he got killed. Well, that's it. the story gets bigger and bigger. And then he ends up in Egypt, and he, he is a slave in the Potiphar's house. And uh, while he's there, his Potiphar's wife takes a shine to him, thinks that he's nice looking, and uh, tries to seduce him. And then um, he runs away. She accuses him of um, a crime. And he gets put in prison for a long time. While he's in prison, Joseph's a, a dreamer, and he can interpret dreams and all that sort of stuff. And while he's there, he interprets a couple of dreams for a couple of guys in prison with him. One's a negative dream, and the other one's a positive and uh, what he said came true. And uh, the guy that had the good dream ends up being the uh, cupbearer to the Pharaoh. And uh, he says, remember me when you're there with Pharaoh, but he forgets about him. Then years later, it says when he's 30 years old, it's a long time now because he was only a teenager when he gets just given to slavery. So a long time of hurt, pain, wounding. Uh, and, uh, and so he, he ends up interpreting a dream for Pharaoh. Pharaoh has a, a dream and he's really disturbed by it. No one can tell him what the dreams mean. And then the cupbearer remembers, oh, I know a guy. He's really good at that sort of stuff. And not only did he interpret the dream, he actually told him what the dream was. So he realized, oh, okay, this guy is fair nickum. And then Pharaoh appoints him as the second in charge under Pharaoh. The second in charge. And he says, because the dream was about uh, seven good years of crops and then seven drought years. And he says, you, you can look after that. 
um, and, and he makes a stockpile of grain and all that sort of stuff. People came from everywhere to get food from them, and uh, it's all great. And then I'm going to take it up, the story in Genesis 41, 50 to 53. It says, During this time, before the first of the famine years, two sons were born to Joseph and his wife, Azanath, the daughter of Potipharah, the priest of On. Joseph named his older son Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my troubles and everyone in my father's family. Verse 52 says, Joseph named his second son Ephraim, for he said, God has made me fruitful in this land of my grief. Wow. At last, the seven years of bumper crops throughout the land of Egypt came to an end, and then they had seven years of famine. So at this stage, he's 37 after the good years, but in those seven good years, he has two sons, still hurting, still a whole lot of pain there from years and years of hurt. Wow. Uh, Still trying to move forward, I guess. But I wonder how many people saw him in this time and said, mate, look at this guy. He's got the hot wife, the two nice kids, the uh, beautiful house, second in charge. Man, he's doing good. I wish I had his life. <laughs> Without knowing the life that he had. Man. And sometimes we can almost feel that too. You know, we've actually got abundance in our life. And, and, uh, and people sort of th- see that, but don't realise the journey that you had to get to where you are. And, uh, and that's how God turns what the enemy meant for evil yeah. and turns it for good. Yeah. A little bit longer in the story, Joseph's brothers, when it's a famine, two years into the famine, they come to get food because they've got no food. And they don't recognise him, but he recognises them. And then it's a whole other part of the story, five chapters, actually, of going back and forward, wanting to know about his brothers and all that, and what happened to your other brother? You said you had one, and uh, he's just trying to gauge them out a little bit, and uh, and and then he kind of tricks his younger brother, who's his full brother, uh, to come there and uh, whatever. But in Joseph, Joseph uh, sorry, Genesis 45, in verse one, he reads that he actually reveals himself to them. It says Joseph could stand it no longer. There were many people in the room, and he said to his attendants, "Out of all of uh, out all of you." So he was alone with his brothers when he told them who he was. Then he broke down and he wept. He wept so loud that the Egyptians could hear him and word quickly carried to Pharaoh's palace. I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. Yep, I would think so. They were stunned to realise that that Joseph was standing there in front of them. Please come closer, he said to them. So they came closer and he said again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years and there'll be neither ploughing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. And he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of the entire palace and the governor of all of Egypt. I love that. Somewhere in there, he's had a whole lot of healing take place, uh, which I think is great. And I think you realise that when at this stage, or at the end of the famine, he was 40, um, 47 or whatever it was. And, uh, and so I, I look, I'm 48, and as I look back over my life, I, I can look at the really times that really sucked. Uh, is it okay to say that? I think it is. Um, that I can see God's hand on my life. You know, I, I remember... Um, I, when I first came out of my apprenticeship, I worked for a man 
uh, and I hated it. It was terrible. For two years I worked there, and every day he told me that I wasn't good enough, that um, I did a terrible job, um, and whatever. And, and to the point that I actually said to Veronica, oh, I might just stop being an electrician. Uh, I've been an electrician for more than 30 years now, but I remember thinking then, oh, man, this is terrible. And, and every day I felt that he was mean and nasty to me, and uh, I, I realised, uh, I thought he was old and crusty, but he was my age now. <laughs> but uh, but I, I, and, I, and even in that time, it was uh, a recession. It was the recession that Paul Keating said we had to have. And, uh, and so there was no jobs. So nowadays you say, oh, this guy's terrible, I'm going to go. But in those days, if you had a job, you kept it. Yeah. Didn't matter how terrible it was, because yeah. it was, meant that you didn't have anything. And so I did, I battled on through there, and hating going to work every day. Um, but I look back at that time now, and I realise that God needed me to work in a place like that because he needed me to work for myself so I could actually serve the kingdom like I do now. And, and so I realise there's a whole pile of things that I do now that I learned from him. So yes, it was a terrible time at the time, but I realised it wasn't a terrible time. God had me there for a reason, to learn a whole lot of things that he needed me to learn. Then, you know, I, I called him up a couple of years ago. I found his number and I said, I'm going to call him and just thank him, you know. And it took me ages. The longest part of the phone call was me trying to describe who I was because I was such a small part of his life that he didn't even really care. And I still said what I wanted to say after he finally realised who I was. Yeah, cool. And I said, thanks for teaching me a whole lot of stuff and I'm sorry that I wasn't the guy that you needed, whatever. It's probably more for me than him. Yeah. yeah. But I think you realise that later on as you look back over your life. You know, um, I, I think of um, my, my dad died when I was 15. I, I've said that a lot, so lots of people know that. But that's a really terrible time. But I look at that and I realise that God's hand was on that because when I was 15, that's when I fell in love with Jesus. I'd been going to church, but I know that in that time, I actually had friends that are still in my life now who helped me push deeper into God. And by doing that, I fell in love with him. He needed me to fall in love with him if I was going to do the things I need to do. So I can look at that terrible time and I can even think sometimes, oh, I wish I could go back and I would maybe try and get my dad to the hospital quicker and all that sort of stuff. You have those thoughts. But, they, oh, but would I have made different decisions? I don't know. And so I just rest on God's hands on my life. <laughs> and this is my plan that God had for me, yeah. not my dad's plan. And, and so healing comes from those sort of things. Um, I, I think I, I can, I've got lots of them, and I know that I'm not trying to have a competition about whose crises are worse. I'm just trying to give you some examples of the crises that we've had over the years that most people don't even know. You know, um, Veronica having an ectopic pregnancy, losing her ovary and a fallopian tube and losing the baby. That was a tough time yeah. for us as a young couple. And, uh, and, and, you know, one of the hardest conversations I ever had was to try and tell my two older little boys who understood that mum had a baby, that she didn't have the baby anymore, while they were saying, what's happened? I couldn't even tell them. I couldn't even tell them that mum was being operated on and I didn't know whether she was going to live. Yeah. I couldn't tell them. It's a tough conversation. Yeah. Tough conversation. But I know that I've never trusted God before like that again. I mean, that was a, that was, as I look back, that was the time that I trusted God the most ever. Just thank God. Crying out to him, close to him. It was a tough time. Yeah. And I know that you guys have got tough times too. As I close, I want to pray for you guys today.
because I really hope that you guys, whatever crisis you're going through, that you would realise and you would get to a, a later time or even now that to see God's hand in that and over your life. God wants to have his hand in your life. He wants to love you. He wants to walk through life with you. And I'm going to pray now for you guys. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that you are a God that wants to walk with us. We thank you that your hand is on our lives, that you are guiding us along the way. Lord, I just ask that everyone today would have a new revelation of how close you are to them, of, of how close you are in their life, Lord Jesus. And as they go through storms and as they go through crisis, Lord God, as they're rowing hard on the oars, Lord God, you would come to them, calm the waters. Let them hear your voice, Lord God. Be courageous. Don't be afraid. And Lord God, I just ask that whatever they're going through, Lord God, they would get through it with you. Lord, we love you today and we praise you. And Lord, we honour you today in your name. Amen. Well, maybe you're here today and, and you don't know the Lord yourself. I'm not sure. I'm not, I don't know who's watching us online either. But I want to tell you a couple of things just before we close. You know, we are a church that every service we want to share the gospel of Jesus, the good news of him. And, uh, you know, the God that I read about today in Psalms, the creator of, of this, everything, he loves you. And not only does he love you, he wants to walk through life with you. He wants to be with you in life. Another thing is that he has a plan for your life. And it's not a plan to burden you down with rules and regulations and make your life harder. I promise you, Jesus said in the verse I read before that he came to give you life and life abundantly. And that we're part of his plan for you. But even though he has that plan and he loves you and he wants to walk in life with you, we all have something in our life that prevents that from happening. The Bible calls it sin. But really what it is, is just doing our own thing. Not acknowledging that he's there and trying to do wherever we want to go. And like I said, it's sin and it pushes us away from God or it keeps us from him. And there's no way for us to pay that price for that, to make due for that. But God made a way in Jesus, in sending his son Jesus. And we've just celebrated yesterday the birth of Jesus, the Saviour. Because he came and he died on the cross for that sin. He paid the price. He put it all on the cross there so we could walk with God, so we could be with him. And the Bible says that if we believe that in our heart and we confess it with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we can have that walk with him. I want to ask you today, do you want to walk with him? Do you want to invite him into your life? I'm going to pray another prayer. And if that is you and you would say, I want that, then you make my prayer that I say your own prayer in your heart. Father God, I'm sorry I've walked my own way. I'm sorry I've allowed things into my life that don't line up with you. I want to change that. I want to invite Jesus, your son, into my life. I acknowledge that he took my sin on the cross. Change my life, Lord God, from the inside out. Let me feel your hand on my life. Help me make the decisions that I need to make to make change. I want to love you. Thank you that you love me. And we just say our heads bowed here still. If that is you today and you prayed that prayer, I'd love to know that you did that. I'd love for you to acknowledge to me and say, just give me a wave and say, I prayed that prayer today and I meant it. Yeah, thanks for that hand. That's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe you're online and you've prayed that prayer with me as I prayed it. We'd love to know that you did that. We'd love to walk the journey with you as well. So let us know that you did that as well. 
All right. You guys can look up. Thank you for letting me speak to you today. I hope that you got something from that. I'm going to turn it over to the team. All right. Thank you.